From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. The relationship between Republicans and Democrats at the Oregon legislature has been, well, let's say a little bit tense over recent years. Republicans hold a minority of seats in both the Oregon House and Senate. For the past three years, they staged walkouts as a tactic to either kill Democratic proposals they didn't like or in protest. But this past short legislative session was different. Amid new leadership, there were no walkouts. Could it signal a new spirit of cooperation? A couple of weeks ago, we heard from the new Speaker of the House, Representative Dan Rayfield of Corvallis. He took over after former Speaker Tina Kotek resigned to focus on her campaign for governor. And on the Republican side, the minority party in the House also has a new leader, Representative Vicki Breeze Iverson of Prineville, who succeeds Christine Drazen, who, like Kotek, resigned to put her full attention on her run for governor. Breeze Iverson's deputy leader is Representative Kim Wallen of Medford in Southern Oregon. In this episode of Straight Talk, we get their take on the past short legislative session, the relationship with their Democratic colleagues, and we look ahead to the impact the election could have on the next session. I'm pleased to welcome my guests, House Republican Leader Vicki Breeze Iverson and House Republican <laughs> Caucus Deputy Leader Representative Kim Wallen of Medford. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here. It's good to be here. When House Speaker Dan Rayfield was on the show, I asked him to grade the session and he gave it, gave it an A minus. He said, nothing's perfect. There's always room for improvement. How would you grade it and why? Let's begin with leader Breeze Iverson. Short session has, it really hasn't been around for that long. And the intention of short session was to create a time for the legislators to come back to the Capitol to do budgetary fixes, technical fixes, and do some agency oversight. And if we look at what we're doing in short session in this last short session per se, but but really in the in recent years, we aren't doing what the intention of short session was about. So I think we can do better. I think we should look at what the intention of short session was and we should get back to what it was supposed to be. What what grade would you give it? It would not it would not be good it would be more in the d range <laughs> d all right representative kim wallen what grade would you give it and why um i i think we did both too much and too little and so um but in in a in a lot of bad ways so i would i would not have passed I, I would not call it a passing grade so i guess in the d range myself well, let's dig into some of the factors that, that led to those D grades and how it might have been improved. The state had a huge amount of money to work with an unexpected surge in revenues. The legislature passed 130 bills, spent more than $2.5 billion, and Representative Breeze Iverson, you called it an overreach. And when Speaker Rayfield was on the show recently, I read him a quote from you where you said Democrats prevented Republicans from accomplishing more for Oregonians, that they did overreach and passed, in your words, an eye-watering spending plan. I'll play his response to that and then get your reaction. And, and again, I respect Leader Breeze Iverson, but when you get to the end, we had a historic ending fund balance of $760 million. Um, that's more than when Republicans were in control. That's more than when uh, in prior cycles when Democrats were in control. On top of that, we also have reserve accounts. We have 2.7, I think when you add it all up, around $2.7 billion in reserves. Uh, we are one of the best states in the nation um, set up to weather a significant economic downturn. 
And he ended again by saying he respects your leadership, uh, Leader Breeze Iverson. But what do you think about his comments addressing the state's pressing needs as it tries to recover from the pandemic and having that much money in reserves is pretty good, isn't it? On the surface, it looks great. But what I would suggest we need to consider is how we got those dollars. We got those dollars by by taxing Oregonians. And I think that as we look at what we are facing and, and potential downturn, we should be looking at how do we give some of that money back to the Oregonians that worked hard to, to earn it in the first place. And Representative Wallen, what do you think about his comments? Uh, I agree that I, a lot of that money was federal was federal money. So it wasn't just that we had weathered the downturn. We're borrowing that against future generations to pay that back. We're going to be paying it back in inflation. Um, we're already seeing that. And some of those reserve funds that he discussed, those are creatures of the legislature. We can put more or less money in those. And you also have to look at the fact that anytime that money has gone to the state, and then it gets dispersed back out to individual communities for projects, you're going to have a lot of lack of accountability and a lot of waste. And if communities want those projects, they can tax themselves locally for those projects and have a much more direct impact on their own communities without having to have the money have washed through the state government first. So you would have liked to have seen the legislature save even more money than that? or send it back to the taxpayers. That's, as Republicans, that's what we would have done. We would have sent it back to its rightful owners. Are there some bills you really think should have been passed or considered that didn't or weren't considered? We'll begin with Representative Wallen. What, what would you have liked to have seen? I would have liked to have seen a serious consideration of reducing the cat tax, at least at pharmacies. That the commercial activity tax passed in 2019 was um, it's a tax on gross receipts, not on profits, not on net gain in a business. And that has phased in slowly and it really came to fruition in the last few months. I have really been hearing a lot about the pain that the cat tax is causing. And the place where it's really being felt is at our pharmacies. And you'll notice maybe not in the metro area here, but around the state, pharmacies have closed. Lots of pharmacies have closed and they've reduced their hours. And it's getting very difficult to get a prescription, even in an area that is kind of the hub of Southern Oregon in Medford. So the pharmacies asked us to relieve them of their cat tax burden. They said that was the thing that pushed them over the edge. And we had a bill to eliminate it. And instead of eliminating the cat tax for pharmacies, while we have this big crisis, we reduced, we eliminated it for two or three years, which is not really enough to bring businesses back into that sector. So um, that was a bill that really needed to pass, in my opinion. Do you think those two or three years that tax holiday will help? Is it something you could revisit in the next session? Hopefully we can extend it in the next session. I don't think it's going to alleviate the immediate problem now. And something else that you mentioned to me that you wish that that you would have addressed that the legislature would have is the lack of public defenders. We've been hearing about that in Portland and, and a lot of counties as well. Right. Um, that was beefed up somewhat. And I will say that I don't find it to be in conflict with my belief that we spent too much money. 
saying that we should have spent more money on criminal defense lawyers. That's a constitutional burden that we have to make sure that criminal defendants have a right, they have a right to counsel and that is to be paid for at the public expense. And our judicial branch generally, our judges are underpaid and we need to address that. Um, just generally speaking, the third branch of government, the judicial branch did not get treated very well by the legislative branch. And uh, I'm very disappointed with that outcome. And Leader Breeze Iverson, you told me you think lawmakers should have gotten serious about addressing the drought. And we have a graphic showing just how bad it is in Oregon. The dark color you see here represents that burgundy color represents exceptional drought, touching 11 different counties, especially bad in your home of Prineville in Crook County. What do you wish the legislature had done? In the December uh, special session, we had a conversation about how the drought had affected us last year, and it, we provided some relief to to those that were most adversely affected. We provided some relief to those that had to find some alternative domestic well options. And I think that that was phase one. And in a conversation with the governor leading into that special session and into uh, then Speaker of the House at the time, the, there was an acknowledgement that that was the beginning of the conversation. And what was very lacking during this short session was phase two of that conversation. We know before we even get into the growing season that we are in this drought scenario for yet another year. And if we don't have that conversation before we're in on the other side of this year, we will have lost a lot of our ag industry. And speaking of, of the ag industry, when it comes to a bill you oppose, the overtime for farm workers bill was probably the most contentious. It provides overtime for Oregon farm workers who work more than a 40 hour week. Opponents say it, it could drive farmers out of business. Speaker Rayfield said the bill phases in that overtime over a period of years and it provides refundable tax credits one for one on the dollar. Let's listen to what he told me when I talked about that with him on Straight Talk and then I'll get your response. So I expect the impacts to be minimal. Um, and that, frankly, was one of our biggest goals. How do we make sure that we support our small farms? How do we make sure that we support our dairy industry? Um, and I feel very confident that the way the program is created with also some report pack periods, we'll be able to be nimble as the legislature to make sure that those impacts aren't felt the way that some, I think, initially um, were worried that they might be felt. Representative Wallen, do those report backs give you some reassurance? Do you think the legislature can be nimble in response? I think that's an interesting comment from the speaker because his own colleagues, the Democrats, during the debate on the bill on the floor of the House, they were very concerned actually that it's going to have significant impacts on food prices, on uh, small farms, either going out of business or um, mechanizing so that they can get their crops in. The concerns voiced on the House floor were that we didn't quite get the right answer, that we might have moved too quickly, that maybe we didn't have all of the people at the table who needed to be discussing this, that farm worker pay would be um, capped rather than you know, the, the farmers only have so much money, so that's going to cap their wages. It's not actually going to increase their wages. These were all concerns voiced by Democrats, uh, concerns that we will have to come back and tweak this because it probably didn't do what needs to be done. There was even a tax credit in addition to, there were two tax credits actually worked into the 
final budget because of concerns over how this might raise prices and the impacts it might have. So um, I know the report backs alone are not going to do the trick as far as I'm concerned. Well, Leader Breeze Iverson, don't farm workers, though, deserve the same pay and protections other workers get under the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938? If we look at ag industry, we need to look at how how ag happens and there's so many different sectors and Oregon is known for such a huge diversity of sectors in and under the ag industry. Each one of those sectors has a different harvest time, a different critical time or quiet time, if you will, in the in that industry. For instance, if you're a crop producer and you have a planting time, then there's a time of, of letting things grow, maybe managing the the weeds or or something to that effect but then we get into a time where we actually have a harvest there are so many factors that come into play when we go through a year in any of the ag industry we have to we have to manage our operational plan but at the same time we 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 can't manage mother nature so we don't always get to say this is the plan for the year and then go through the year according to just that plan we have to be able to be flexible in the middle of the year when the rains come and we need to get the fruit off the trees before the fruit rots. These are things that we, if we try to pigeonhole one way of handling an industry and not allow for the flexibility that has to occur because of the just the nuances of ag, then we're we're really cutting that the ability for that industry to exist in Oregon. Well, even and though you I, were opposed to this bill in the end, the discourse was passionate, but civil, no walkout. What was different this time? I think it's very simple. When we experienced a walkout the last time, we walked out for a specific issue. And, and we, we, in fact, were able to stop that issue during that short session. Two weeks after we came back from the signy die date of that session, the governor put an executive order into play that in essence created the very issue that we walked out over. And what is in front of us with this, this egg overtime conversation is that should we have walked out, Bully was already starting plans to enact what would be the new regulations or laws for, for this industry. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about the relationship between the parties and leadership. Democrats, since they control the purse strings, pretty much control how all that money is spent. But Speaker Rayfield tried something different. He offered $100 million for infrastructure projects in rural Oregon with no strings attached. Uh, Representative Wallen, what did you think about that? Well, it got mischaracterized as a Republican, well, some people characterized it as a buy-off, some people characterized it as um, a a bridge, uh, it, but it was not just Republicans. There are Democrats in rural areas and they were included in the discussion. Um, it was, it wasn't something we had asked for. So it didn't feel like an olive branch to us necessarily. A lot of our constituents don't necessarily want, it, it, it was perceived by some of them as a buy off to stop us from walking out. Of course it was not that those two things were not related whatsoever, but, um, I don't think that it was as, I don't think it was anything that it was billed as. Well, I asked Speaker Rayfield about the relationship this session between the parties, and here's what he said. 
And I feel very fortunate, uh, frankly, to have uh, Minority Leader Bree Iverson. Um, she was uh, wonderful. None of us are perfect in these roles, right? And we learned from each other and we're able to work very well with each other. Even when you know there were bills that uh, the minority didn't really want us to pass, uh, we were able to do it in a way that respected each other. Um, and in a way where we um, respected the dialogue um, and understood that we all have and shares the same values. Representative Breeze Iverson, do you agree with Speaker Rayfield's assessment? And could this signal a new spirit of cooperation? I would 100% agree that my experience with Speaker Rayfield was vastly different than my experience with his predecessor. I do think that there is genuineness to work across the aisle and to have better conversations, conversations at all. And I appreciate that. I appreciated the open access that I had in, in trying to get through short session with, the spe with Speaker Rayfield. And I do look forward to having a, a better conversation as we move forward. And especially as I move into his speaker position and he gets into the minority party. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that after the break, about the future. Uh, that is hopeful for this spirit of cooperation. When we come back, we'll talk about history made by Republican women in the Oregon State House and how the upcoming election could impact the legislature. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking with two of the Republican leaders in the Oregon House about the recently completed short legislative session, and we look ahead to the future. Welcome once again to my guest, House Minority Leader Vicki Breeze Iverson of Prineville and Deputy Republican Caucus Leader Kim Wallen from Medford. Once again, it's really nice to have you here, and I want to talk a little bit about history made. Representative Wallen and Representative Breeze Iverson, you made some history as the first all-women Oregon House Republican Caucus team in state history history, and you have a strong voice from Southern Oregon. Representative Wallen, as I mentioned, you're from Medford, and the third in command, the WIP, State Representative Lily Morgans from Grants Pass. What does that mean to you and to your constituents, Representative Wallen? I honestly didn't even think about it when we all got elected. It was an honor to be chosen by our colleagues to be their leader, and I, I loved Norma Paulus. She was a professor of mine at Willamette and I love the idea of doing something to honor, you know, that she was just a remarkable person and so I feel honored to maybe, maybe follow in her footsteps a tiny bit, but it's an honor and now it's up to us to execute what our, what our colleagues expect from us. And Leader Breeze Iverson, what does it mean to you to have an all-women leadership team? I have to concur with, with Representative Wallen's comments. It was a, a scenario that was not top of the mind until it was pointed out. I am truly honored that our colleagues did choose to, to, to have myself, Representative Wallen and Representative Morgan, all as part of the leadership team, and that they trust us and, and put, put their faith in us to, to do and to execute the, the good of the whole. And that's exactly what our intentions are, what our hearts are, and what we'll continue to do. The fact that we're all women is just the bonus. And this was your first time as minority leader. What was it like to take the reins? It was an interesting experience. The vote happened literally on, right on the heels of the phone call from the governor calling us to a special session. So there was no time to get used to 
this new leadership position. It was all in, all at once. And if there's ever a, a fire hose that you drink out of to, to learn the process, that's exactly what I experienced. I have wonderful colleagues in the House and in the Republican caucus that helped. We used the strengths that were at the table and, and helped me do absolutely what we needed to do to meet special session in December and do what we could for Oregonians. And moving from there into short session, we continued to unite as a as a team and move forward as a, as a united front. And the Republican hasn't held the governor's office for four decades. You alluded to this earlier during the next session. There will be a new governor in 2023. How optimistic are you? It will be a Republican leader, Breeze Iverson. I'm extremely optimistic. We have some great candidates that are in the run for governor. I'm excited to see what comes out of the primary. And I think Oregonians are very ready for change. It's time. We've we have seen some some real failures in the Democrat leadership for Oregon in the last two decades. And we're we're living that now. And it's time for us to get back to some traditional core Oregon values. And I believe that that we've got that in front of us with the next Republican governor. And you've told me you're not endorsing anybody in the primary. Uh, Representative Wallen, there are something like 19 candidates. Are you backing anyone? I personally am backing Christine Drazen, who was our leader, our caucus leader, um, before she resigned to run for governor and and put that, which is how Representative Iverson became, Bruce Iverson became the leader, so. So if there um, were- uh, And I too, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, if there were a Republican governor, I'll, I'll just jump in here. If there were a Republican governor, how will that affect the next legislative session, do you think, in 2023, Kim? Oh, I think it would be a significant change. And I do agree that that uh, Oregonians are ready to, to move back to, even though we haven't had a Republican governor, we have had super majorities of Republicans in that time in the legislature. So Oregonians do vote for Republicans. It's uh, not completely out of the question. And it would change. I think the main thing that would change if there was a Republican in the governor's office is that um, the executive agencies that carry out the legislation legislation that we pass, I think that you would see some changes, more accountability. Um, there just hasn't been any accountability because of the one party continually appointing and the, the directors and so forth of those agencies. So I think you would see some change in the agencies and just how the execution um, is managed of the legislation we pass. We don't have a lot of time left, but I wanted to ask Leader Breeze Iverson about education because that was such a big concern during the pandemic. What would you have liked to have seen addressed during the legislature in, in about a minute? Thank you. I, education is so important for Oregonians. And as a mother of two teenage boys, I can tell you, I firsthand watched what we've done to, to our kids in the last two years as we haven't had them in school five days a week around their, their friends. And it's such an integral part of growing up is to go through some experiences with peers and learn from them. And then you figure out who you are. And as we didn't have kids in school and we have really, in, in my opinion, downgraded our education system by our standards, we need to do better for our kids so that we can see Oregon thrive. And we, we missed the mark on that this session. And I want to give you each just a, a little bit of time for a final thought, about 30 seconds, Representative Wallen. 
Well, I touched on it just a minute ago, and we we talked about it at the beginning. Accountability is sorely lacking. We don't have enough um, oversight of our agencies because in a, one of the things legislature does is pass legislation and then monitor how the executive does execute those laws. And we haven't done a good enough job in holding people accountable on that. And Leader Breeze Iverson, about 30 seconds. I think that we have a great opportunity in front of us in the next after this election cycle to to really change the flavor for Oregon and the accountability that the agenda setting for for what we're going to see in this next election cycle or excuse me in this this next legislative cycle and as Oregonians speak out and we see a change in the leadership in Oregon I think we're going to find a, an amazing Oregon that that really reflects some of the traditional Oregon that that brought us to where we were 10 years ago. Well, thank you both for joining us here on Straight Talk. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for watching. Join us next week when we take a look at Oregon's mental health system and how recent legislation is hoping to make a difference. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week.